Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Mark chapter 9 verse 33, we are in a series of talks and uh, the conversation or the talk that we're going to have today uh, is the sixth part of an ongoing journey that we've taken to discover who we are as a church community. And today we enter uh, part six, which uh, says this is our core value. We serve with excellence. Can you look at the person next to you? Tell them we serve with excellence. We serve with excellence. And it says, Mark chapter nine, it says, they came to Capernaum when he was in the house. He asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? See, arguing is biblical. But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. And Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last. How encouraging. And the servant of all. Can I read that one more time? I usually have about two to three scriptures, but I'm saving you guys. I'm only reading two verses today. How many know that God can say a lot with two verses? Amen. That last verse really hits, that, hits me and it says, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. How, how encouraging is that? All right, God bless you. See you guys next week. Amen. You guys want to be first? You got to be last, be the servant of all. God bless you. How encouraging. Do you feel uplifted, church? So I want to talk to you. I want, I want to go through our, our core values here. Um. As a church community, we've been unpacking now our core values, the list of our core values, the seven values that we have as a church. It says we preach Jesus. We love people. We fellowship as a community. We worship authentically. We give generously. Do we got any generous givers in the house? And we serve with excellence. Please come back next week and we're going to be unpacking. We are accountable to honor. Amen. Sometimes the difference between where you are and God, where God wants to take you, it's this one word called accountability. Amen. And so I want to talk to you about three things today. Greatness. Everybody say greatness. Serving. Say serving. And excellence. So I just want to talk to you about three things today. At greatness, serving, and excellence. By the way, just real plug right here. How many of you guys can agree with me that we need to hear Marcus preach one day here? I'm, I'm just saying. I was, I was like, wow, that was powerful. That was powerful. So greatness, serving, and excellence. Amen. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and just take a few moments. You know, sometimes we come to church real heavy. By the time we hear the word, we don't even hear what the preacher's saying. We're just thinking about what time we get out of church. And I just want us to take 60 seconds and just ask God to clear our minds for a moment and fill it with his peace and joy as we get ready to hear this word. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are faithful to us. Lord, I will never stop declaring your faithfulness. As routine as it may sound, God, you are always faithful. I need to remind myself in our church that you are faithful, God. Would you fill us with your peace at this
this moment, oh God. Would you uh, fill us with open hearts to hear your word, oh God, from every person from the front to the back of this room, to hear your word, God. That we may not just be here as routine, but we may hear, be here to hear your word so that it can affect our Monday, our Tuesday, our Wednesday, our Thursday. That this word may be much greater than information being disseminated, but this may be a word of transformation of the soul. In Jesus' name, we pray, Lord, and we love you. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a praise one more time in this house? Amen. Ah, oh, man. Um, how, many would you, how many of you guys would agree that, um, that we always ask the question about who's the greatest or what is the greatest? You know what I'm talking about? We ask that question all the time. Um, like, I, I know that there are things that are greater than other things. Unequivocally, undoubtedly, we know unanimously that there are things, some things that are greater than others. So if we ask and we pose the question today, this morning, what is greater, chocolate or vanilla? Everyone would say, we all know that. You see that? Everybody knows that chocolate rules. If we were to ask the question and pose the question, who is greater, dogs or cats? We will all say, Dogs, we know that. We have some rebels in the house, but we all know in our hearts that the devil comes like a roaring lion, a.k.a. a cat. Therefore, cats are like the devil, like your father. All right? We all know who is the greatest. I mean, if we were talking about basketball, we would know that the greatest player to ever shoot a ball is, doesn't start with an L. It starts with an M. Michael Jordan, LeBron James, you can take second place. Kobe Bryant, you can take third place. But the greatest player of all time is Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is so great that my friend called me up. He said, listen, I got a pair of sneakers for you. What size are you? I said, I'm a size 13. And he says, well, I got a size 12 Michael Jordans. I said, for Michael Jordan, I will be a size 12. I will figure it out. I will. We would say the greatest boxer of all time may just be Muhammad Ali. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, right? You know what I'm talking about? Right? Uh, uh, we would also say that the greatest rapper of all time is 3D Remedy. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> that wasn't even in my notes. I just thought about that right now. Uh, we would probably say he's Eminem, Biggie, Nas. You guys are confused, but that's because you love Jesus. You shouldn't be listening to that music in the first place. And I think after last week, we can all undoubtedly, unanimously say that the greatest quarterback of all time must be Tom Brady. No? It was, it's debatable? It's debatable. Don't be correcting me in public. All right? One of the greatest, uh, I think the greatest coconut cake I've ever had in my life is made by Elizabeth Afilito. Great, greatest. Frank makes a mean one, but you're like number two. But it, Hers is like diabetic coma cake. It is absolutely delicious. It may be the greatest pumpkin pie cheesecake has to be from Maylene Miranda, I'm just saying, if you ever had that, it's like heaven inside your mouth. <laughs> you know, I think, I think when it comes to greatness, 
we often talk, like we, we, this is something that we have amongst all ourselves. Like to this day, we know within the collection of my brothers that I am the favorite of my mother. Any, any favorites in the house out of your siblings? You know that you're the favorite. You know what I'm talking about? You are the favorite. They kind of love. And you know what's funny? We were hanging out yesterday and we know, I said, hey, listen, guys, we don't need to ask mom. Your soul bears witness that I'm the greatest out of our brothers with my mother, right? So, so, you, you, so mom could actually tell you you're the favorite and you will not believe her because your soul confirms <laughs> that Rolando Remedios is my mother's favorite. We know that. We know. Ruben, it's all right. Maybe when you finish college. But <laughs> I think inside we all have this desire for greatness. And I think that we have this... Um, uh, we have these conversations about what is the greatest or who's the greatest or what's the greatest thing or we all want the best. I don't think anybody really wants average or anybody wants something that is secondary or anything that is ordinary. I think that we all want what is great. We all want what is best. How many of you guys agree that you want a great life? How many of you agree that you want a great wife? Single people, hallelujah, holla back. Uh, how many of you agree that you want a great husband? right we all have a desire for greatness and greatness is often found in our discussions because i think deep inside inside all of us we all have a desire for greatness and i think sometimes we see greatness as simply for the chosen prodigies or we see greatness only for the superstars or we see greatness simply for the elite and for the for those that are exquisite those that are super um, we see greatness as a rare DNA strand that is found in unique individuals but I want to submit to you today that we can all be great because God has instilled greatness in every single one of you I wish someone would believe that with me I'm gonna say that again God has instilled greatness in each and every one of you I like the way Martin Luther King said it. He says this. He says, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. <laughs> he says, anybody can be great. Why can you be great? Because anybody can serve. And so what we have here is a dialogue that has taken place between the disciples. And I love it because the Bible uses this word, they were arguing. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a picture and an image of what arguing looks like growing up. I was raised in a Hispanic home, and if you're raised in a Hispanic home, the volume level is always at a max. You know what I'm talking about? Not only is the volume level also at a max, but as if volume was not good enough, we also like speaking with our hands. We also like speaking with our hands in syllables. You know what I'm talking about? I thought I told you. You know, we even are hit our kids with syllables. I told you to stop doing that all day. We do it. And so, this is why we have rhythm. Anyway. So in my mind, it says, it says here in Matthew chapter, in Mark chapter 9, it says, they came to Capernaum and when he was in the house, they were arguing on the road, but they kept quiet because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Hmm. And I kind of see that, and I know it's in a Jewish, ancient Jewish context, but when I read this passage, I have the, this kind of like image of them arguing, but, you know, like, like Hispanics and Pentecostals. 
Like we, we just have a way of getting our point across. And I have this image because I'm like, could you imagine that the disciples were talking about who was the greatest in the shadows of the greatest? Like here you have the 12 disciples having an argument before the greatest man who ever lived on this planet, who is God in the flesh, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The prophets prophesied about him. They said that he will be the Messiah of the world. He's going to be the Savior of humanity. He's going to be the hope of humanity. And they're in the shadows talking about who's the greatest. And I can just imagine because at this point in Mark chapter 9, what we see is the, we see the, the mountain of the, the moment of the transfiguration, the mount of transfiguration. And I can just imagine it starts with Peter. If you know Peter, you know exactly why it starts with Peter. I think Peter was a Hispanic. Because he always had an opinion about everything. And he never knew when to shut his mouth. Hashtag Latinos. And I can just did you just see? I have to be the greatest. Did you, just, did you just witness what I witnessed? I am one of the three. I have to be the greatest. We just saw Moses and Elijah come before our Savior. I got to be the greatest disciple in the kingdom. And then John and James come to him. Are you crazy? We were there too. That means we're just as great. And then you have John in the picture. John says, hey, hold on a second. Do you know who I am? I am the beloved one of God. Do you not read the book of John? I am the beloved child of God. I rest my ears on Jesus' chest. I gotta be the favorite. And then Peter's like, hold up. Hold up. Yada, yada, yada. Ah, 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 I thought I told you. And he's like, do you know? Are you blind? I'm gonna talk to Jesus because you must be blind. He needs to heal you. Did you not see me walk on water? I got to be the greatest. I was moonwalking on water. I was chilling. Not only was I walking on water, I was in the middle of a storm walking on water. And of course, the rest of the disciples look at him and they say unanimously, bro, uh, I don't think we're blind because not only did we see you walk on water, but we also saw you sink. All right. We are the greatest because we used wisdom and we stood in the boat. Real cute and cuddly. See, wisdom says that we are the greatest because we didn't use, we didn't risk our lives and go into the ocean just to drown or to sink. We stood nice and comfy in the boat. And Jesus, and Jesus says, but still though, it's Peter. You know you lost the argument when you got to say, but still though. <laughs> Somebody tells me, but still though, I'm like, I won. We don't argue to find resolutions. We argue to win. And everybody say, amen. My God, you guys need Jesus. <laughs> and so, then, then uh, Peter's like, yo, do you, do you forget that I am the one that revealed? It was revealed to me, not by anybody, but by the Father. Jesus came out of Jesus' lips himself. What did he say? What did he say? He said that flesh and bone has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed to you. What did he reveal to you? I was the first one to know that he was the Christ. How about that? Catch me outside. <laughs> right? Like, like, I was the one, and they're like, yo, but hold on a second. Andrew comes out of nowhere. Do you not know that I was the one 
that found the five, the kid with the five loaves and two fish while you guys were complaining about how we were going to feed the 5,000? Guess what I did? I went and found the five, the kid with the five loaves and two fish and people were fed. I got to be the greatest, right? And then everybody looks at him like, you're crazy, bro. You couldn't even rebuke the demon. And they're like, well, you couldn't rebuke the demon either. Well, I couldn't. Re- I almost did. He was, he, he, was, he was like three shatas away from being delivered. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they, they start going back and forth, and I could just see this, this argument taking place, and all of a sudden, Bartholomew, Bartholomew, poor Bartholomew, he's so cute. Bartholomew comes, and he says, hold on, what about me? Can I be the greatest? And they're like, bro, your only credibility is you are mentioned in the Bible just to be known as one of the disciples. <laughs> Shut your mouth. You're not even in the top ten. All right? And I can just picture these guys before the greatest of all time having this conversation who is the greatest in the kingdom you ever walked in on a silly argument you ever walked in on a silly see silly arguments are contagious because maybe it started with one but all of a sudden it became the argument of the whole conversation and you're looking at them like why are you guys arguing about that like i walked in on my younger brothers arguing about who could win in a match the epic question of all history, Hulk or Superman? You weren't supposed to answer that. It's a rhetorical question. <laughs> Hulk will win in the match, and they're going back and forth, and they're like, no, Hulk will win. No, Superman, because he'll dig him into the ground from, and I was just like, guys, what are you doing? This is, why are you talking about this? This is foolishness. This is, why are you having this argument? Everybody knows Batman could be both of them. We walk into these foolish arguments and, and, and this is the scene that is taking place right here. The conversation is about greatness. Someone shout greatness. It says, but they kept, Jesus asked him, what is it that you're arguing about? He walks into the scene and he says, what is it that you are arguing about? And I love it because he doesn't dismiss what they're arguing about. He doesn't, he doesn't say, you need to stop talking about greatness. You need to stop talking about this foolishness. You need to humble yourself and stop being an arrogant buffoon. You need to stop talking about greatness. No, Jesus is asking them a question. And his question is, what is it that you're arguing about? Because I want to redirect. See, I'm not trying to cancel what you're talking about. I just want to redirect how you get to the place that you're talking about. See, Jesus is actually for greatness. (gasps) Yeah. See, Jesus is is actually for greatness. See, the reason that he's for greatness is because he's placed greatness inside of you. See, greatness is something that God has placed in each and every one of us. And many times we have convinced ourselves that Jesus is not for greatness. And we think when it comes to humanity's greatness and God are on, we think that humanity greatness and God are on our opposite, opposite places of the spectrum. We think that greatness is over here and God is somewhere over here. And greatness and God are not compatible. But I think that it bears witness to each and every one of us that we, the fact that we know there's something there more. Have you ever felt like there's something more to life than what you are currently experiencing? 
Can I get an amen right there? See, there's something within us that says there's more to life than this. There's more to life than being born, than getting older, than making money, than having a family, than going to work, than coming to church, than eating some ice cream and dying. See, there's more to life than being hatched, matched, and dispatched. Bars, I told you I was the greatest of all time in the rapper. There's nothing, there's much more than the routine and the mundane and the mediocre and the normal. See, you see greatness has been placed on the inside of all of us. And he says, there's nothing wrong with the pursuit of greatness. I just want to redirect your path to greatness. Are you following me, church? See, because he said, I'm not, I'm not wrong. I'm not. We all want the destination, but God wants to put us through the duration of the journey to achieve all that he has for us. See, he says, I'm not, I, I don't have anything wrong with where you want to go. See, many times we think that God wants for our lives what we don't want for our lives. But what if I told you today that God actually wants many of the things that you want for your life? Not everything. Because how many know that we want some things that are not good for us? But there are some things in our life that actually, that we want for our lives that God wants it too. How many of you guys want a healthy marriage? How many of you guys want a prosperous life? Can I, can I be honest with you? So does God. You know that God wants you to have a healthy marriage? You know that God wants you to, you, how many of you guys want to marry the wrong one? Nobody better say it's too late. That's not the time to say that right How many of you guys want to marry the wrong one? Nobody wants to marry the wrong one. Can I tell you? You want to marry the right one. So does God. You want, a, you want a, a career. So does God. He wants that for your life. How many of you guys want a blessed life? God wants you to have a blessed life too. How many, how many of you guys want a prosperous way of living? God wants that for you too. How many of you guys want to reign and rule and, and have authority over the things that have oftentimes taken authority over us? Guess what? God wants that for your life too. The difference is there's nothing wrong with the pursuit of it. What's wrong many times that God wants to readjust is the path to it. Are you hearing me? And so, <clears throat> look what Proverbs chapter 16 says. This is such an awesome scripture. Proverbs 16 verse 25. Look what it says. It says, there is a way that seems right to people. But that way, someone shout that way, leads only to death. There is a way that seems right to people, but that way only, only leads to death. See, Jesus is speaking about a path to get there. Here you have the author of the Proverbs that says there is a way that seems right to people. But in the end, it leads to death. Have you ever had someone, have you ever had someone cross you in traffic, skip three cars, speed up like 90 miles an hour, and you end up at the same red light they do? Yeah, you ever seen that? Maybe that was you. 
doing that, cutting people off, and then you see the person you cut off at the red light in the corner. That ever happened to you? Because here's the truth. See, there's nothing wrong. We all get to the red light. We all get to the destination. But sometimes it's the way you get there that God is trying to redirect. (laughs) And so I remember there was a time that I was driving to work and um, this car (laughs) wants to make a U-turn and get on my side of the road. And you know what they do? They actually drive over the curb that is in the middle of the road. This is the divider. And upon... (laughs) Now, he wanted to get on the right side of the road, but how many of you guys know that there is a right way to get on the right side of the road? Obey the rules, somebody. And this person said, see, I want to get on the right side of the road, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my way to the right side of the road. And so what they did, they drove over the curb, which is the divider, and they got stuck on top of the curb. And they could not, and now you're, people are driving by, and they know exactly what you were trying to do when they saw you. See, how many know that the destination can be good, but the path we take to get there, oftentimes, it's what God wants to redirect in our life. See, he says that there is a, see, we all, we all have things that we want for our lives that God wants us to have too. But sometimes we're the ones getting in the way of the very thing that we desire in life. See, sometimes we're the ones. We all want a healthy marriage. We all want success. We all want a prosperous life. We all want the benefits of what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. But many times, if we were honest with ourselves, Christ uncensored, we might be the very ones getting in the way because we're choosing the path that we deem as correct. And God is saying, no, no, I want those things for your life too. I just want to show you the right way to get there. See, we just want the destination, but God wants to put us through the duration of the journey to accomplish the, the, uh, the goal that we have in life. He's not, he's not against the goal of greatness, but he wants to correct the road you take to get there. And I think sometimes it's healthy to look in the mirror. I mean, I would challenge you. I would challenge you tomorrow. Look, some of us need to look in the mirror and say, stop getting in the way of my destiny. See, because many times what we do is that we look at other people and we try to blame other people for getting in the way of what we want in life. But the only one that's getting in the way of what you want in life is you. And so you, you need, some of us need to look in the mirror And not to be self-conscious or self-centered or make it about you, but you need to look in the mirror and start prophesying over your life and start declaring, guess what? You know how they say that you're your own worst enemy? You don't have to be. Come on, say that again, Andrew. You need to be your best friend. See, you don't have to be your own worst enemy. And what makes you your own worst enemy is when you choose to take the path to greatness that God is trying to redirect in your life. I thank God for the Holy Spirit because he is like the GPS in my life. Every time I take, I make the wrong turn. Every time I take, the, I, I, I make a, a, a bad decision in my life, the Holy Spirit comes and he says, rerouting, rerouting. I'm rerouting your life. I'm bringing you back to the plans and purposes I have for you. I'm bringing you back to the 
the path to greatness that I have for you. I'm, I'm bringing you back. I need to look in the mirror and start prophesying and say, Rolando, stop getting in the way of my destiny. Are you hearing me, church? Look in the mirror and say, hey, stop getting in the way of the very things I want in life. Because we want what God wants for our life. We just want to take our way to get there. And can I be honest with you? The only thing worse than being lost. The only thing worse than being lost. Is being lost and not knowing. See the only thing worse than being lost is being lost and thinking you're going the right way. The only thing worse than doing something wrong is doing something wrong and thinking you're doing it right. Whew. Oh man, I could tell you stories. I could tell you stories of conversations. You ever met a person that everything you tell them they've done already? Every piece of advice you give them, I've done that. Oh yeah, I tried that. Oh yeah, I did that. Well, it works for every other human being in the world except you. Somebody's laughing way too hard. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Because I think many times the only thing worse than doing something wrong is doing something wrong and thinking you're doing it right. I remember, uh, how many of you guys remember Nintendo? The original Nintendo. This is the, the game of games. This is where I got my addiction to Super Mario Brothers. I was addicted to it. Um, and I remember that we got, and now for our house, when we got Nintendo, you remember the cartridges? How many of you guys remember that you had to blow in the cartridges? Right? Like, <laughs> you remember that? And I remember that when you, 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 you not only would, you would stick the cartridge inside the Nintendo, now kids just press the power button and they got 20 games. No, we used to have to collect them, okay? And, and, and I remember I used to play Nintendo over my friend's house. And I remember when we first got Nintendo, like we first got, like we thought we were millionaires. I'm telling you, when we got Nintendo, it was $100. And for us, that was like, that was like we had to trade like $200 worth of coupons just to get Nintendo. <laughs> Tell the truth and shame the devil. You know what I'm talking about? 75 cents to the dollar. Edit this out. Don't put this on Instagram. You know what I'm talking about? So we had to save. So we were like rich because we had Nintendo. And I remember we owed people money. So they would like come to our house and be like, how could you afford that when you owe us $100 yourself? You know what I'm talking about? It's like bonus work. And, and I remember we would, you would have to, I knew how to use the Nintendo. So when my father bought it for me, he was like this, you know, he just liked gadgets and gizmos and stuff and, and he would just put it together he was like I got this I'm gonna do it and we stood there for an hour and he was just putting the game inside the cartridge inside the Nintendo but how many of you guys know that you also got to push it down you know what I'm talking about you don't know the push it down right there some of you guys are too young I lost all of you guys they were like pass the roll I'm good with the power button right and so we had to put now I remember I remember this my father would not let me touch it and I was like dad you're doing it wrong he says no I know what I'm doing He's like, I was like, Dad, you're doing it wrong. And God forbid your eight-year-old son tells his father you're doing it wrong, right? And I remember, I was like, Dad, you're doing it wrong. He's like, no, I know what I'm doing. I know I'm doing it right. And I think many times we find ourselves in that same place where we think we're doing the right thing. But we don't even know 
that it's your, persis your persistence in doing what you think is right that is disabling you from activating what God wants to do in your life. See, now I remember I said, Dad, you just got to push it down. And I remember we stood there for an hour, an hour, just waiting for him. I said, Dad, you got to push it down. Dad, you got to blow it like this, like a whistle, but don't put saliva in it. You got to push it in, and then you got to bring it down. And I remember my dad was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I can't believe it. And, 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 and what I found in that story is that we are oftentimes in that same place where we think we're doing the right thing. I can't tell you how many times I've told people to do something, and they've already done it. But they've been doing it the wrong way. See, the worst thing than doing something the wrong way is doing something the wrong way and thinking you're doing it the right way. And I think many times when God says you have a pursuit for greatness, we think we're pursuing greatness the right way. And because we think we're pursuing it the right way, or we think we're taking the right path, we never reach the level of greatness that God has for us because we have allowed other things in our lives to dictate and tell us what greatness is. Can I be honest? Jesus says something that, uh, it doesn't sit too well with, with me. It's just, hey, listen, if you want to be great, he doesn't dismiss it. He says, no, you should not want to be great. He says, hey, if you want to be great, look what he says, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 disciples in Matthew chapter 9, verse, 30, verse 35. He says, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 disciples and says, anyone who wants to be first must be last. Must be what? Must be last and servant of all. See, I could imagine the disciples hearing Jesus talking about greatness. He says, there's nothing wrong with greatness. Because greatness has been placed inside of you. There's nothing wrong with greatness. The only thing wrong is that you've been reading from the wrong dictionary. See, there's nothing wrong with greatness. The, the, the problem is that you have allowed this world system to begin to define to you what greatness is. And let me tell you, this is not an easy message for the disciples to hear. This is not an easy. You, you want to hear the difference between an easy message and, and a hard message? This is an easy message. God is going to give you $500 by the end of this service. That's an easy message. How many say amen? I walk out here. Look, you got a $500 gift card under your, under, under your chair. You got $500. You got $500. You got $500. You got $500. That's an easy message, right? You don't need to pray and fast for that message. Can anybody say amen? Pastor Roe, thank you for that gift card. I think I'm going to have to pray for it here. But what if I told you, uh, God is calling everyone to give $500 by the end of this service. Oh, Pastor Roe, I need to pray. And I need to ask the Lord to speak to me. And I need confirmation upon confirmation upon confirmation upon confirmation. And sometimes it's going to be the voice of the Lord. And I'm going to be like, devil, get thee behind me. It is not you. Right? <laughs> because I think that... <laughs> This is a difficult message because oftentimes our human instinct says, hey, we want to pursue greatness by, by power. And this is how the world defines greatness. Write this down. Power. Everybody say power. Possession. Prestige. And position. See, when what Jesus begins to do, see, we begin to confuse greatness with fame and fortune. 
We begin to confuse greatness with power, possessions, prestige, and position. And Jesus flips it upside down. He says, no, if you want to be the greatest, you have to see yourself as the least. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I got to pray about that, Pastor Ralph. I got to seek, I got to go into fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights, right? If you want to be the first, if you want to be first, you have to what? Be last and the what? And the servant of all. See, Jesus begins to flip the script and he begins to say, hey, it's not about how many servants you have. It's about how many people you're serving. <laughs> oh, I knew I wasn't going to get too many amens for that one. Just... Oh, Pastor Rowe, oh, I thought I was doing good. Right? And he says, you're missing it. You're missing it if you allow power, possessions, prestige, and position to begin to form what you see as greatness. Because you can have power and still miss out on the opportunity to empower other people. See, because you can have possessions and still miss out on possessing your purpose. See, because you can have prestige and still not see people as precious. And you can still have position and miss out on your place in serving other people. He says, don't let power, possession, prestige, and position to define what greatness is. We are living in a day and age where our children... And I have an 11-year-old and I have an 8-year-old daughter. And I asked her the other day, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said, a YouTuber. <laughs> and she's 8 years old. But she is actually echoing the voice of this generation. Because 85% of this generation has an expectancy to be famous. 85% of this generation has an expectancy to be rich. There's nothing wrong with those things, but when you look for those things to have a sense of significance and identity, it is futile, my friend. See, and so we live in this day and age, because we live in this day and age that we want to pursue being, pursue being known. But not many people that want to be known are worth knowing. Are you hearing me, church? Who's the greatest in the kingdom? You don't determine a person's greatness by their talent or worth or even education. The principle of greatness says you find significance and the joy by serving others. Everybody say others. See, the disciples that had this conversation is, yo, yo, who's better? I'm greater. I'm better. I'm, I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. No, I'm greater. I'm the greatest. See, oftentimes we identify greatness based upon the circle that we have around us. See, we identify as long as I am. See, I want to be great enough to be greater than the circle around me. And so we think we're great simply because we're greater than those around us. But let me tell you, if you're the greatest one in your circle, you're not growing, you're not growing uh, fast enough. Are you hearing me? And so greatness is in each and every one of us. But he says that greatness is not through the path of power. Greatness is not through the path of prestige. Greatness is through the path of serving. Because greatness is not defined by how, how better you are than others, but how much you can make others better. See, greatness is not defined by how high you climb to the top, but how many you're taking with you. 
See, greatness is not determined by how far you can run. But greatness is determined about how much you will run to get others to go far. See, greatness is not about how, how well you can use people to get money, but how well you can manage your money to serve people. Are you hearing me, church? If you're going to clap, clap for real. See, he says, if you want to be great, you must become the servant of all. See, because if greatness, if serving is always under you, then greatness will always fly over you. See, if greatness is something, some, if greatness is simply a stepping stone, or serving is simply a stepping stone, then you will never be able to obtain the great life that God has for you. It's not about how far you will run, but how much you will run to get others to go far. Look what some of the Look what uh, Horace Mann says. It says, <laughs> doing nothing for others is, un is the undoing of oneself. <laughs> doing nothing for others is the undoing of oneself. We must be purposely kind and generous or we miss the best part of existence. The heart that goes out of itself gets large and what? Full of joy. This is the great secret of the inner life. We do we do ourselves the most good by doing something for others. Look what Danny Thomas says. He says, all of us are born for a reason. But all of us don't discover why. Success in life has nothing to do with you and what you gain in your life or accomplish for yourself. Are you kidding me? What? I, have I been reading the wrong dictionary? He says... Success in life has nothing to do with what you can gain in your life or accomplish for yourself. It's what you do for others. It's what we do for others. Man, I, wanna, I want the heavens to be filled with people because they were filled with God's love introduced by Christ Uncensored. See, I want to be able to say we serve people with excellence because it's not about the success we can have in life because success is not success in life has nothing to do with what you gain in life or accomplish for yourself it's what we do for others we serve with excellence Sherry L. Du says true leaders understand that leadership is not about them Woo! true revelation right there true revelation leadership true True leaders understand. Everybody say true leaders. That means that there is such thing as non-true leaders. True leaders what? Here's the telltale sign of a true leader. True leaders understand that leadership is not about them, but about those they serve. I said, Lord, help me be this kind of leader to our church community. It's not about them, but about those they serve. It's not about exalting themselves but about lifting others up because the journey to greatness is not meant to be done alone so what if you get to the top if you're by yourself so what if you're the greatest in the kingdom and you set yourself apart from every single person that you were meant to help and serve as well are you hearing me it says true leaders understand that leadership is not about them but about those they serve and it's not about exalting themselves but about lifting others up you know sometimes we kind of hear this message 
And uh, we're like, we do that already. Let's be honest, right? I do that already. I do that. But what if God is challenging us for 2017, not only to serve, but serve with excellence? Matthew chapter 25, and we're done with this, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Matthew 25, verse 34. It says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. Who's saying this? Jesus. He's saying this. Jesus is saying, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you invited me. This is Jesus talking. Then these righteous ones will reply. Watch this, watch this. Then these righteous ones will, will reply. They'll say, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? A thirsty and you gave something to drink. Or a stranger and showed you hospitality. Or naked and, and naked and gave you clothing. When did you ever see, when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will, the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. See, the reason that we serve with excellence is because every time we are serving people, not only are we serving our Savior, but we are looking more like our Savior than we ever have. See, the, the more and more you serve, the greater and greater you become. And there's nothing wrong with the pursuit for greatness. But the path we take to get there is important. We have to be the kind of church. Well, why can we serve? Because when we serve others, we're actually serving Jesus. I want... I want to be in heaven one day and look at people. Hey, you remember when you served this person? You were actually serving me. <laughs> you remember when you came to church and you started serving in a team? You were actually serving me. <laughs> you remember that day that you fed the homeless? You were actually feeding me. You remember that you went to the hospital because someone was sick and they needed you? You weren't serving them. You were actually serving me. <laughs> You remember that day that they needed money and you were broke, but you knew that they were more broke and you blessed them? Guess what? You weren't blessing them. You were blessing me. I want heavens to be filled with people that we were able to say, hey, we were serving them. But not just serving them. We were serving our God. And we were serving our Savior. 
I want our lives to be interrupted and inconvenienced and just disrupted. How about that prayer for you guys, huh? I got a powerful prayer for you. Lord, disrupt our lives. When we're driving and we're late and we got to go somewhere, that God is calling us, hey, hold on. Someone needs help. We need to help them. We need to serve them because if they're in need, and if I serve them, I serve them with excellence because every time I serve them, I'm actually serving our God. And the more I serve people, the great I become. And guess what? The more you serve people, the happier life you live. See, sometimes we just see our... We're stuck here. Who's going to serve me? I have goals and I have aspirations and I have desires and I want to obtain and I, there's things I got, I, I'm saving up for a house I'm saving up for a vacation I'm saving up to get things done and there's so much that I there's nothing wrong with that you may not find true happiness in that happiness is found joy is found in the principle of serving and maybe some of us mit- Maybe sometimes we live miserable lives because all we have is eyes for ourselves. All we have eyes is on our what's in our bank account. All we have eyes is what our goals are. All we have eyes. Can you stop and pump the brakes for a second? Can we just stop and pump the brakes for a moment just to pay enough attention for the person that is dying next to us? excellence. This is because when you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. When you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. Can we bow our heads for a moment today? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.